You better get ready. The coffee's poured and the on-air signs flashing. Broadcasting live and local. This is Lee Faulkner on A64 Triple M. Yes, g'day, I'm Lee Faulkner and welcome to the podcast edition of our show where you get to sit back, relax and enjoy some of the things you want to hear again, some things you might have missed the first time around and the uh, full extended versions of some of the chats that we uh, have as well. Uh, Coming up, uh, we talk uh, 80s music and why we've got an 80s song at the top of the charts with uh, our media experts uh, from the USQ, Dr. Daryl Sparks. He joins us a little bit later on. We'll have a winter warming edition of Friday Foodies with Kristen O'Brien from Dine Darling Downs. Uh, a bit of a laugh with You Can't Be Serious along the way. And say uh, our Friday special. It is the footy tips that you definitely want to avoid. Uh, we bring you the smelly boots. Thanks to Bottle Mart. Uh, let's have a look at the rest of round 15. And uh, after last night's clash, uh, it is good that we are at least saying a very good morning to Gov. G'day, mate. G'day, Lee. Uh, you're in solid there. I thought it might have been just producer Rob and myself this morning after last week's sparkle. <laughs> yes, well, we love a Monday night footy. I mean, you know, you know, solid's been uh, looking for Monday night footy to come back for a long time, and uh, look what happened when it did. Uh, dear, oh dear. Uh, we just walked straight through that. Uh, Paul Solid Ready, K&R Plumbing Supplies and the Western Clydesdales. Good morning. Yeah, g'day, mate. G'day, Gov. I hope we never play on Monday night again, Parramatta Eels. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. But look, on the good side of things, uh, I know that, you know, you uh, you love uh, supporting the uh, the doggies with their association with the Clydesdales. So, uh, you know, happy about that. Yeah, a little bit of a win, mate. Sort of a bit of a side bet for me, I suppose. I was going to be a winner either way, wasn't I? Yep, exactly <laughs> right. Uh, I do wish I'd had the uh, the money on the 13-plus for Canterbury. I think it was about paying about $50, so uh, I would have had a, uh, a new car. But anyway, let's get into the uh, the rest of this round. Tonight's game start at Four Pines Park, 6 o'clock, as the uh, Sea Eagles take on the North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys come into this one some pretty good form. Of course, they cleaned up uh, the Dragons last weekend, and uh, they are firing. I, I can see them going on with the job here against Manly. What are your thoughts, Gov? Yeah, look, both sides come into this game last out winners, and um, just exactly what you said, the Cowboys are playing pretty good football. They're playing um, nice attacking football, and their defence has been really rock solid. Um, they're in third spot in the ladder this um, this weekend, so, yeah, I think they continue with the job. All right. You agree with that, Solid? Yeah, I do too. I think uh, they're, they're in a real good spot at the moment with the, the team and the coach. Um, you know, for a coach that was under fire at the start of the year, now he's probably the godsend for him, and uh, I think they'll continue on against the Seagulls. All right. As a New South Wales fan, I'd like to see some of these Queensland sides take a thumping leading up to the next State of Origin game, but I don't think it's going to happen. So as I say, I'm on the Cowboys there. Then we head to Amy Park, 5-8, to eight, a cold, old, wintry night down in Melbourne, and it's little wonder, despite the Broncos' recent form, that the Storm are absolute unbackable favourites here. Uh, they're like nature strip there at Ascot. Uh, would you agree with that, Solid? Yeah, I think they are. I see Pappenhausen was going to come back, but now he's going to be out. They're going to wait till next week. But I think the injuries have really wrecked the Broncos for this game, and uh, it won't be quite the spectacle, but maybe they'll put up a good a bit of a fight, but Storm too good. Uh, I'm on the Storm. Uh, some concerns around Adam Reynolds and even the, the rest of the season, Gov, which could be a concern for the Broncos. 
Yeah, yeah, see him go down, and I'm a bit concerned about him. He stayed on for a little while, but it looked like he busted a couple of ribs or whatever, and he was just a passenger. They got him off. But, yeah, look, as um, Solid said, they've been going along pretty good. But, yeah, the injuries might just get them at the moment. The Storm, they had a hard thought win against the Roosters last week. That was a tough game. Maybe they just might have played themselves into a bit of form that everyone expects that they should be. So, at home, freezing cold night, I think they might get the get the money. All right. Uh, apologies to Craig Bellamy and the uh, the rest of the team there. All three gone. of us on the Storm, absolutely gone. <laughs> I, we moved to uh, the uh, Coffs International Stadium there for the Sharkies taking on the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, this is 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. Uh, which way do you see this one going, Gov? Yeah, look, the Sharks accounted for the Warriors last week. This is a little bit tougher. Um, Titans haven't exactly been setting the world on fire, so I think the Sharks get away at this one again. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. And they, the bookies uh, matching that, they're blowing out to $4 now, the Gold Coast Titans. I know you've got a soft spot for them, uh, Solid, but uh, are they any chance against the Sharkies this week? Oh, I think the game will be a little bit closer than um, what the bookies are sort of predicting, but I think the Sharks will get away with it. They're in... Uh, they're, they're pretty good form. They've got pretty well their full-strength side on it this week, and Titans are still missing a few, so I'll go with the Sharks. All right. Then we go to Morton Daly Stadium, 5.30 Saturday. The Warriors taking on the Penrith Panthers. You'll get $10 about the Warriors at the moment. They are a basket case of a team. $1.05 for the Penrith Panthers, provided Nathan Cleary shows up a little more than he did in State of Origin Game 1. They should win this comfortably for mine. How do you see it going, Solid? Yeah, I think uh, you're exactly right. The Panthers, they're, they're in great form at the moment. They're going along really well. Uh, they do you know, fulfil a lot of the New South Wales origin spots, so I think they'll be way too good for the Warriors. Yeah, poor old Warriors. Gov, any chance? Yeah, look, the Warriors, um, they play all right for a little while, but they're riddled with um, mistakes, whereas the Panthers are riddled with um, brilliance, and I think the Panthers win this one easy. Comfortable. All right, then, Combag Stadium, 7.35. It's Magic Round rematch. Uh, the Roosters uh, beating Parramatta by seven points uh, on that Sunday afternoon. Uh, we were there. I, I, you know, it was just one of those games that got away from us. Solid. Uh, I'll get to you in a moment because I pretty much know where it's coming. There, uh, Gov. Can Parramatta bounce back from that complete and utter embarrassment last weekend? Well, that's what um, the coach described it as. He said it was um, disgraceful. And, gee, they did get hammered by the dogs. And they showed no real fight. It was just a really, really strange game. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go to the Roosters on the back of the Eels. Probably can't bounce back. I don't. Uh, look, that's a fair call from what we saw last weekend. Uh, I'd like to think we can turn it around. Solid? Yeah, I was down there at Magic Round as well, Lee, and I wasn't uh, the best spectator. I was very disappointed in the Eels. Me too. Uh, yeah, and look, the Roosters, they're a hard side to pick as well. They're a bit like the Eels, you know, great one week and, and ordinary the next. But I'm going to go with the home team, the Eels, to bounce back over the Roosters. All right. Well, the Roosters, you know, they were put to the sword by the Storm last weekend too, so they'd be licking their wounds there. Uh, and, uh, look, obviously, I'm going to stick solid as well with the Eels <laughs> being solid number two. Uh, wow. Let's hope that they can... Well, you know, you've got you to give them something. Uh, then we go to GIO Stadium. Now, last week, I changed my tip last minute and uh, put the entire weight of the Smelly Boot curse on the Raiders. They were leading. The Broncos lost players, and they still ended up getting beaten and didn't Troy the Butcher give it to me uh, over that. So what are we going to do to them this week? Because they are the favourites to beat Newcastle. Gov, which way are we headed? Well, I'll start it off and the new blows can decide what happens. But look, yeah, the Knights, they're a side that aren't really travelling that well either. Um, Raiders at home, it'll be fairly cold down there at oh, the nation's capital. Terrible. I think they get a chance to bounce back over that uh, Brisbane loss. 
All right. Uh, sorry, the butcher. It's not looking good for you. Solid? Oh yeah, I think uh, Ricky Stewart's probably still yelling at the Raiders all the way home, so I don't think they'll be stopping this week. They'll uh, get in front and they'll continue all the way, so I'll go the Raiders. All right, well, we're riding them hands and heels because uh, I'm on the Raiders as well, so uh, look out. Uh, second half of football, they are great at 40 minutes. Uh, if the uh, competition was about 40-minute games, they'd be in uh, top position, but uh, 80 minutes, they've been struggling. Let's see how what we do to them this weekend. And then the final game of the round, it is dead set one of the biggest who cares uh, so far this season when the Canterbury Bulldogs take on the West Tigers I mean fair dinkum this will do me uh, if the dogs though the only concern I would have solid uh, and I know you've got a soft spot for them now with the association with the Clydesdales is that they may have played a grand final last week beating Parramatta can they calm themselves down and get back into the grind again without looking for the knockout punch too early yeah, I don't know. I think after, uh, you know, probably dismantling one of the best teams of the NRL competition in the year, <laughs> I think that'll be enough to give them confidence, the Bulldogs. They'll just continue on now. They could make a surge for the finals after beating the Eels. Fair so I'll go with the Doggies. Solid as a rock. Uh, obviously, wow. he's, he's had a word to Phil Gould through the week, I would imagine. Uh, there's been some words spoken, Gov. He's had some sponsors product. That's what he's had. <laughs> that'll do, mate. Yeah, Phil did. Phil did. Uh, he did have a good conversation with me. He said, "Who are you? What are you talking <laughs> That's about?" Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Shut that door on your way out, son. That's right. <laughs> Same as he said to Trent Barrett. Same yeah, as he yes. said to Trent Barrett. Don't let that door hit the backside. <laughs> Anthony Griffin. He did that to him too. Oh dear, oh dear. All right. Uh, okay. So, dogs and West. Yeah. Look. Um, two oh, rookie coaches go head to head. Mickey Potter. Um, Brett Kamali is probably more interesting than the footballers. Um, Adam Dewey's back, I see, for West. They've been missing him for a fair while with their attack. And I see um, Leilua, he's jumped ship early, so not sure about West. Look, I'm going to stick with um, Solid's um, allegiance here at the Dogs, and I reckon they can go two in a row. All right. Just because I'm filthy at what they did to Parramatta last week, I'm jumping on the Dogs too, and then hopefully the curse crushes that <laughs> and they can uh, cop a bit of their own medicine from the West Tigers. We'll see what happens. Uh, Solid, what's happening here locally? Yeah, look, it's uh, very tight at the top of the ladder. Gatton, you know, out on their own there. But it's a three-way tie next with Highfields, Waddles and the Dolby Diehards. There's a couple of very good matchups uh, happening this weekend. You've got Dolby taking on the top side, Gatton, and Dolby will need to win to sort of force their way into the Madsen, Rasmus and Playoffs. You've got um, Highfields taking on Newtown, so they should get a win. Waddles should get a win over Oakey. There's both of them on Sunday afternoon. So there's a little bit of action happening in the TRL. And the Wagner's Clydesdales, they've got the tough road trip this weekend. They're off to Cairns to take on the Northern Pride on Saturday afternoon. Fantastic. All right, you boys enjoy the Rugby League, and we will talk again next week. Let's go, Diards. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And right now across our region, car theft is on the rise and people are taking extra steps to protect their property from securing keys to security cameras and, of course, forklifts. Well, at least that was the case for a quick-thinking Logan man who took matters into his own hands after arriving home to discover a woman was attempting to steal his car. In what could be the most bizarre citizen's arrest ever, Brendan Mills, or Millsy to his mates, 
collared the alleged car thief by using his forklift to trap her inside the vehicle. And it wasn't long before Millsy was turned into a local legend doing the rounds of breakfast TV. We saw the car door shut on the car, the car started rolling. Um, I'm like, well, that means someone's in the car that shouldn't be in the car. I yeah. asked them many times, get out the car, you, you know, look, we're home, you busted. Went over, got the key, the forklift, and um, picked the car up. That's all I could think of doing to keep uh, me and my family uh, safe at the time. Yeah. And good old Millsy proved to be just as quick with a quip as he is with the keys to the forklift when asked the question we all wanted an answer to. Why does a bloke have a forklift in his yard? I'm in the automotive trade. Uh, I don't know if you know about lifting heavy things, but um, forklifts make light lifting, mate. Well, actually, Millsy, Koshy's very familiar. He's been carrying that show for years. And it seems Millsy had plenty of other practical advice. We got home from being out. Yeah, that's usually how it works. But his method certainly proved effective. The alleged thief was unable to open the door of the car due to the positioning of the forklift prongs. Police video captured at the scene showing an officer opening the door of the car after it was lowered by Millsy, telling the woman, out she get. And not content with being the hero of the day, Millsy, along with his new bestie, Barzi, were for some reason keen to remind people that Koshy was no Don Burke. He's not really, um, you know. Not very hands-on, mate, eh? Yeah. No. You cannot be serious! It's my favourite time of the week because we get to talk all things food with Kristen O'Brien from Dine Darling Downs. Good morning. Good morning, Lee. How are you today? Well, I'm, I'm loving the fact that things have uh, warmed up a little bit from the last time that we spoke. Uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, we're famous for our stunning seasons, so we love that about our beautiful city, and winter is no exception. Uh, like I said, it's been very, very cold, but you've got five great ideas on how to warm up in the Garden City this winter, and, of course, they all involve food. Well, of course, they all involve food, (laughs) but starting with number one, and this will definitely warm you up, at Six of One Coffee Roasters, you will find this gorgeous little espresso bar in in the Mills Precinct in Ruthven Street, and you can actually sit and watch the coffee roast. Wow, that is therapeutic, and the aroma is intoxicating. At last count, I think they had 25 different coffees, hot and cold, yeah, for you to try 25, uh, as well as delicious pies, warm toasties, fresh baked goods, so yeah, you can get in there and enjoy uh, six of one. Now, idea number two, that starts with a brisk walk around Queen's Park to warm up, and then you suggest we make a beeline for the chef's lab on wheels for a food truck lunch you won't forget in a hurry. Well, look, their food is amazing. And at the moment, they've got some really interesting things on the menu. So crispy king mushroom fries, Mm. a a really warming goulash, are just some of the winter menu items they're serving up right now. So you'll find the Chef's Lab food truck in the Lindsay Street car park of Queen's Park. They're usually there from Tuesdays to Fridays until about 2 p.m. in the afternoon. So give them a try. Yeah, try the katsu burger. Uh, loves it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number three, uh, an offer from Cork and Lever Wine Bar that you might find a little hard to resist. Well, I definitely find this one hard to resist. Uh, the winter warmer offer from Cork and Lever, it includes two glasses of mulled wine, which mm. they make in-house there, and a whole crumbed camembert wheel to share, and it's just $30. So that's seriously decadent, that oh, one. Yum. All right. Number four, for dinner, nothing warms the tummy up like some flame-grilled churrasco. Now, skewered and seasoned meats cooked over charcoal and flames and then brought around to your table to enjoy. 
Of course, yes, we're talking about Muller Brothers in the Bell Street Mall. Mm. They have warming flame heaters there at the moment, Lee, so that will really add to your cosy experience at Muller Brothers. And if you'd like to sample a churrasco feast, then we suggest you try the Sunday Saver dinner at Muller Brothers. It's just $45 per person. And by the way, they are opening a takeaway outlet at Highfield soon. So we will keep you and the residents of Highfield up to date with that one. Excellent. Lastly, winter tip number five of things to do in our city uh, during these cold months is to hit the dance floor. Yes, warm up on the dance floor, Lee. Why not? Um, get your dancing boots on and head to the Dega Bar. <laughs> um, how long is it since you've done that? Oh, too long. <laughs> That's right. Well, now's the time. Uh, the Dega Bar is one of Toowoomba's most popular bars. Live music rocks the stage there every weekend, and a fun night is pretty much guaranteed. Oh, it is. It's a fantastic place there in the Walton Store Precinct at the CBD. So five great ideas from us. Don't let the cold weather keep you at home. Get out, enjoy winter in Toowoomba, embrace it, and, of course, support our local hospitality industry. And check it all out, dinedarlingdowns.com.au and on their social media pages. And we'll talk uh, all things food in a couple of weeks' time when I'm back from uh, holidays, but you'll be talking with producer Rob next week. Yes, and I'm looking forward to that. We're talking about a place to have high tea, so I'm sure Rob will enjoy that one. As we've been mentioning this morning on our Flock of 80s Friday, it's an 80s song that is uh, running up the charts, running up that hill by Kate Bush. It's uh, bigger now than it was when it was released 40 years ago and has attracted a whole new generation thanks to the sensation that is the Netflix series Stranger Things. Uh, It is a fairly strange thing, but, uh, well, for those that put these soundtracks together, they might have been hoping for something like this, uh, according to Dr. Daryl Sparks from the USQ who joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Daryl. Oh, good Lee. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm well. And obviously, I mean, you know, this is one of those moments uh, where they put together the soundtrack for a show and then something just uh, captures the imagination. It's one of quite a lot of 80 songs that feature, but for whatever reason, this one seemed to hit the button for the kids. Well, it's not an e- it's an easy call for this one because Stranger Things, of course, is set in the 80s. Yeah. They, they had to use music from that time. Um, and Kate Bush's song, Running Up That Hill, um, which is an awesome song. I mean, she's never been off my playlist in 40 years. I'm a huge Kate Bush fan. Right. Um, but, but that song gets repeated again and again because it's almost the motif of, of one of the girls who's in the show. Um and, and uh, so they, you know, they have to repeat it again and again. But I was just looking yesterday at the statistics of um, how much this song has jumped, and it's uh, not over nine thousand nine hundred streams. Uh, sorry, nine thousand nine hundred percent in in increase in streams. Wow! Uh, which has been millions of streams. It's actually bumped the song up to number six in the U.S. Billboard charts now. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, crazy considering it's a 37-year-old song. Yeah. And and how's this one? It's become one of the most popular songs on the Chinese social network WeChat. Wow. In sharing. So it's just, you know, it, it's it's become wildfire. It's just, it's going all around the world. And, and principally because of 
stranger things, of course. Absolutely. And and obviously, this is not a new phenomenon. I mean, with songs that have either made the movie or movies that have made the song, and you can you can countless of them. I mean, one that springs to mind for me is uh, I the Tiger from Rocky Three, and that becomes a, an anthem that's still played at stadiums around the world today when they want to pump the crowd up at a, at a sporting match, and, and boxers still walk out to that song to this very day. That movie was 1982, for goodness sakes. Uh, I mean, how much time goes into this or how much of it is luck because the reason I chose that song is I know uh, from a Sylvester Stallone interview that he originally wanted Queen's Another One Bites the Dust but he couldn't get the rights to it so he got Survivor to write that song and boom off it goes and and it's quite expensive to actually buy these songs yeah. for the film. So I, I think of the ones like the, the ones that I really loved was like Twist and Shout and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yes. which of course was a Beatles song from the 60s and, and Ferris Bueller was 1986. Um, Stand By Me, which oh, was yeah. Benny King's 1961 song. And I'd have to say my favourite was... Um, Bohemian Rhapsody that they used in Wayne's World. Oh, yes. Uh, and they all started headbanging to that <laughs> in the car. And that, that sent Bohemian Rhapsody back into the stratosphere again uh, when that movie came out and, and got people re-loving Queen again. So it, it's it's an interesting phenomenon, because, but it's still a new thing. Like if you saw the Batman recently, yes, they used um, Nirvana's Something in the Way, yes, uh, which wasn't one of their biggest hits, but when that got played, that bumped that song up to, um, I think it was peaked at about number 40 on the Hot 100 charts just in March past. So, you know, it, it, it's, I, I see this as sort of the Guitar Hero effect. If you remember Guitar Hero, yep. the video game? Absolutely. That, that used a lot of old songs, a lot of old rock songs, and introduced that to new kids, you know, kids who were, who were playing that game. And then now that's carried over into TikTok. So now you've got all these kids who are finding these old songs and doing their 15-second dance uh, moves or, or, or singing along to old songs on the TikTok, and then that spreads to other young kids as well. So it, it, it's the use of social media um, that, that's really driving, uh, and other platforms, of course, other than TikTok, that's really driving people to want to rediscover these songs again. Absolutely, and, and at the end of the day, something like this happens to win-win for both the show, which continues to get the popularity from it, and the artist as well. So it works on both sides. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, new shows are still using them. I remember, like, you know, well, Glee was probably one of the, the biggest shows that used old songs. That was a huge hit. Mad Men, um, they used a lot of old songs uh, as well. And um, even I was watching Bridgerton uh, the other night, and, and that's a big show on Netflix, and they use Madonna's Mater- Material Girl. Good grief. That. Uh, I mean, I know Madonna's showing her age these days, but yes, I don't know that she was quite around back then. Uh, (laughs) But my kids think she was, don't worry, including me. Uh, But it's great to see them get the uh, the resurgence from these shows and the importance of a soundtrack uh, can make all the difference. And of course, uh, you know, while Stranger Things is already very popular, that uh, song has uh, helped to attract even more attention to it and get people having a look at it. Dr. Daryl Sparks, uh, as always, thank you so much for your time this morning uh, and... uh, just great to see that uh, these 80 songs are getting revisited once again. Oh, they've never been off my play track, Lee. Me too. Me too. <laughs>
You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And if you're a white wine drinker, you've probably become familiar with the typical flavour profile notes that suggest you should be tasting tropical and citrus fruits, flavour nuances of dates, papaya, melon and notes of herbs, and of course, broccoli. Yep, broccoli. I mean, let's face it, who hasn't been enjoying a glass of granite belt chardonnay and thought, yeah, it's nice... But it needs more broccoli. Well, in the land of culinary excellence that brought you black pudding, jellied eels and spotted dick, you can now celebrate the Northern Hemisphere summer with a brand new wine infused with broccoli. Tenderstem has launched the UK's first ever broccoli-infused wine and bottles are set to hit shelves this weekend. You know, I think there may be a reason it's never been done before, but hey, the company, which is renowned for producing the tender alternative to regular broccoli, have partnered with Lime Bay Winery to create the UK's very first tender stem wine-based tipple, which mixes Chardonnay with the distinctive notes of tender stem broccoli. The limited edition tipple features hundreds of tender stem stalks, which have been expertly infused with the award-winning grapes. And so confident are they that you'll find this totally disgusting, it'll be available for free for those looking to wine and dine their taste buds. Or get rid of those pesky dinner party guests that just won't take the hint the night is over. The product, which has been named Tenderney, is set to hit shelves this weekend in anticipation of English Wine Week. Yes, English Wine Week, which ranks right up there with Queensland Loves Phil Gould Week and American Gun Control Week. You cannot be serious! Well, earlier in the week, the Toowoomba Regional Council uh, handed down their budget. Uh, and as we heard in the news, uh, we are in for a little rate rise of 2.5%. Uh, the uh, councillor, Jeff McDonald, uh, joins us for breakfast this morning to talk about some of the things from that budget. Uh, good morning to you, mate. Yeah, good morning, Lee. Uh, obviously, the, the first and foremost thing there, as I mentioned, the uh, the rate rise, 2.5%. Uh, and obviously, look, unfortunately, it does come at a time when we are stretched a little bit with many other things. We are, and, and this was a, a really strong consideration by councillors. You know, we've, the budget preparation starts about uh, six or seven months, even nine months before it's adopted. And, of course, during that period of time, we've seen you know, cost of living started to, to rise rapidly as as inflation predicted perhaps to go to 7% before the end of the year. You know, so these pressures have, have come on everyone, every household, every business and indeed uh, council. However, we've, 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 through our strong financial management over the last uh, half a dozen years or so and even before that, um, we've been able to make a decision to actually forecast a deficit of some $5.8 million. So that effectively means that, you know, over the last half a dozen years, we've, we've added around about $27 million equity into the organisation so that we can say to the community, we'll stand with you here uh, because, you know, an increase of 2.5% sees it on the average or urban residential ratepayer will increase by about $1.56 a week. Um, so we've been very conscious of, of knowing these costs are increasing. We also know that there's labour shortages and for our organisation, the regional council, you know, we've got some 200 vacancies. That's 200 vacancies in our organisation of the staff of around about 1,700. So we know that that's not going to change overnight. 
So we've taken that into account. We've also taken into account the the supply of goods and services, which you know in some cases are delayed by about 12 months. So, you know, our rate of delivery for capital program has slowed a little. However, our operational work, which is the day-to-day operations, is a really strong focus. As is the the, the rework of you know the roads and culverts and and bridges and footpaths as a result of the the four. Uh, flooding episodes and or, or heavy rain episodes that we've had over the last 12 months. Uh, unfortunately, we have also lost uh, some funding uh, from higher levels of government. Is that right? We have. And, and this was... Uh, so we had a choice as a council. We had a choice to say, OK, well, our community needs to, to bear the brunt of this. Or we say, let's work with our community and let's go back and, and lobby the, the governments, both federal and, and more importantly in this case, the state government, because yes. they're the ones who distribute the federal funding that comes down called the financial assistance grants. So over the next three years, our council will reduce our funding from the state government by about $8 million. Uh, next year, next financial year, 22-23, it's even more impacted because we were given a prepayment this year, just prior to the election, when the, the federal government was handed down their budget in May uh, of a prepayment, which sees our 22-23 assistant grants cut to a zero. Yeah. So the $5.8 million deficit uh, directly relates to that number, which is about that $5.8 million. So we, we're, we've been lobbying uh, both levels of government. And in fact, as of last Friday, we were given notification that we can make a submission to the Commission to uh, say why we shouldn't be on the minimum and uh, and therefore we're doing that and that needs to be in by uh, this coming Friday. So, um, you know, a bit of work to be done there, but we, we are very uh, sure, and so is Queensland Treasury Corporation, who are our funders, uh, that we're, in a, we're we're still in a good uh, financial position, and and we can we can work through this deficit through the course of the year. Mind you, it's very hard to find five point eight million dollars uh, when it's cut from you almost overnight. So we've we've really been, uh, if you like, penalised for very strong financial management over the last uh, five and more uh, five and more years. So um, it's a, it is a challenge, but we don't feel the community should bear the brunt of that. Uh, you know, we work very closely with our, our community to keep our rates as low as we possibly can, our rate increases. And this is similar to the last uh, three years. Uh, in fact, the, the last four years in a row, we've, we've, we've kept it at 2.5%, which, you know, for our community, having a consistent uh, understanding of, of our finances is so critically important. And I'm very pleased that the, uh, the community has elected representatives who are putting the community first. And, and we'll work through this and, and hopefully we'll see a review of that financial assistance grants and, and it may well be corrected in some way. But in the meantime, it's uh, getting on with doing the work that we need to do, which uh, you know is to get out on, on most of those roads and footpaths that have been damaged. And so we've got over $50 million in the budget to really make that a focus over the next two years. And uh, that coupled with you know the, the over $20 million being spent at Mount Kynock for an upgrade of the water treatment plant, which will extend that life, it's expected, by about 10 years. You know, they're, they're key projects for us, um, for not only now, but for the future of our, our region, which is, you know, makes us, uh, you know, one of, if not the most desirable place to live, learn, work, oh, play. No doubt about that. And details on those projects and the uh, entire breakdown there of the budget uh, you can find through the Toowoomba Regional Council website. Councillor Jeff McDonald, as always, thank you very much for your time. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Lee. Good morning. 
joining me in the cafe this morning, uh, Classic Recruitment's Joy Mingay. Good morning. Good morning, Lee. And CEO of the Toowoomba Hospital Foundation, Alison Kennedy. Good morning. Morning, Lee. I love your hair. Thank you. Yes. It's fabulous. It's, uh, it stands out, that's for sure. What a great uh, game. I'm, what I'm, a great game. Oh, yeah, great game. I'm, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm going away on holidays at the end of this week for a couple of weeks. We're going down the snow, so if I get lost uh, up on a mountain somewhere, I'll just take the beanie off and I should be <laughs> spotted by aircraft from all over the place. All right, uh, let's talk about this because, uh, look, we all love a holiday in here, uh, and I'm sure that, uh, like me, I'm sure both of you have at some stage uh, utilised Airbnb since its uh, introduction, and it, and it just seemed like a great idea. People with investment properties that wanted to put them up for short-term rentals, say possibly offering you a better price than you'd get from a real estate or perhaps from a, uh, a resort. And, uh, you know, it's sort of been ticking along there. Then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a, a very, very big and serious rental crisis and housing crisis. Now, Brisbane City Council are saying if you're offering your property up for an Airbnb, we're going to slug you an extra 50% on your land rates every year. Now, that's a pretty big impost. Uh, is something like Airbnb a part of the cause of where we are at the moment, Joy? I mean, can we put it on something like that? I mean, I think there's a lot yeah, of other factors. Yeah, there is, Lee. But I think, you know, drastic times require drastic measures. And, you know, I know reading about what was happening down in northern New South Wales after the floods. Yeah. That was a huge contributor to people who'd lost their own homes not being able to get short-term rentals because yes. there were um, people who just only wanted Airbnb for holiday because of the income. And I guess we're, we're living in pretty extraordinary times and there has to be some sense of community responsibility. I think, you know, it's a bold move on Brisbane City Council, but maybe we all need to shift our thinking because we're not getting any change the old way. Mm. So maybe bold measures are what we need. Yeah, okay. Uh, is this, though, just an attack on capitalism, uh, Alison? I mean, if you've got uh, investment properties and you've worked for them and you've bought them and you're paying the mortgage and the interest rates and, and the rates and everything else that go along with it and you're willing to do the uh, work that it takes to run an Airbnb, many are, you know, uh, semi-retired people and so forth who are going around after the guests to clean the place themselves and do all of this, uh, are, are we now just uh, stomping on capitalism? Look, I love joy and I love my community, <laughs> but I just, it really does give me the heebie-jeebies that those that get ahead in life are the first ones to be having to give up what they've worked so hard to get. I just think, yeah, it's an extraordinary move and I, I do not believe that it's the first place they should be looking. I know that when you go to Brisbane, even here in Toowoomba, there are empty buildings. There are places that currently you know, don't have people living in them. There must be another scenario. We have to be looking at, um, you know, lower, uh, more affordable housing. And we're, mm. I just don't think we're focusing on it. I just don't think that it's become um, to the point where the government is actually putting, you know, huge amounts of effort into no. it. So I don't agree that we should be targeting people who have made, um, you know, a really good life for themselves by Purchasing sometimes at a risky time, yeah. and then all the costs associated for them just to be slogged with fifty percent. I do not agree. I don't have an Airbnb, so I'm not saying that because I <laughs> no, own one. I don't either. No, Even I though don't you thought either. that I might, but I, I don't. <laughs> Have a couple of uh, a rentals, and I'm too nervous to even put their rent up at the moment. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah, so yep. so I don't Same. agree. One's my mother-in-law, and I do love her. That's probably why. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think that um, we should be slogging 
the person who's done their best to make a good life for themselves and mm. their futures, I think we should be looking at other other resources. Just adding to your argument, though, Joy, I mean, is it just a matter of, well, it's about time because those that own motels and other things would say, well, hang on, but this has been a completely unregulated industry, very much like what Uber has done yeah. to taxis, yeah. uh, where we had to pay all these, you know, different licensing and all these that we had to jump through hoops and whatever to, to be accommodation providers. And then all of a sudden, Airbnb came along and somebody could just have their investment, maybe it was left to them in a, in a you know, that sort of thing. And now instead of just charging $500 a week rent, they can make a couple of thousand a week by renting it out on a shorter term, uh, really cashing in on that. So is it just about time that they started getting an impost that other accommodation providers have always had? Yeah, I think I think there is an element of that, Lee. I think, um, you know, a lot of small mum and dad motels and that who Alison's argument worked hard, worked all their lives and have to jump through so many bureaucratic hoops mm. like we all do in business these days. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, suddenly Fred Nurk down the street, his kids have left home and, you know, he can just open it up to Airbnb mm. without having to pay all the licensing fees and that that motels and things do. I think Alison's right, though. I think it can't be in isolation. No. And I think they should no, do it I in Brisbane, but not in Toowoomba, probably. <laughs> I just, oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, down well, the hill. Well, not at Noosa, where we want yeah. to go for it. Yeah, and no, but, and, and not here. Yeah, definitely not in Toowoomba. <laughs> the Gold Coast. But, yeah, I think, I think you're right, Alison. You know, I know, um, you know, when I stood for council, one of the things I would have liked the council to look at more seriously was looking at doing something more in the in the CBD for, um, you know, we've got all our international students, we've yep. got single people, you know, the old Piggott's Amart building, wouldn't that make a fabulous yeah. um, accommodation situation where people can get a coffee and keep the business going in the CBD? Yep. That they, I think councils and government make these decisions in sort of isolation and yeah. I think good on them for making a bold step but hey I think Alison's right let's do it as part of a uh, raft of solution. solutions. Absolutely uh, just finally uh, Alison will it just not be the case then that people will just pull those things uh, from the marketplace and then we won't have as much option when it comes to uh, you know accommodation Look, which I, is yeah. going to affect everybody. 100% I'm looking at going to Brisbane for an event um, next week and I've gone to Airbnb because because the hotel prices have gone through the roof. Through the so roof. I can afford a, you know, an Airbnb is more affordable at the moment than hotels. So I don't even know how this is a thing, really. I just, mm. I just, you know, I heard the other day, so don't quote me, but there was only a hundred blocks of um, land available in Toowoomba at the moment yeah. if you wanted to build a house. And oh, I'm like, okay. how is that possible? You know, we, we have mm. the infrastructure we've got, um, the schools we've got, um, the skill set. Like, why are we, why, why are we? Not developing quicker. Why are we not offering? The developments you know, keep getting knocked back. Well, it just doesn't make sense to so me. You know, fifteen hundred blocks at Westbrook raft. knocked yeah. on my head. And you here's know me and... saying I didn't really know much about this, but anyway, <laughs> um, or wouldn't have an opinion. But yeah, I think there's lots we can be doing in this space, and I think that we really should be pushing our government to actually help, especially with the crisis of rentals. It makes me sad to think that there is people living in our own community in a car because no, there crazy. is not oh, it's houses available. It absolutely so, is mm. dreadful. Something has to be done and has to be done soon. One triple three five three is it time that we start charging uh, those who put their properties up for Airbnb a lot more to try to curb our uh, current situation with particularly the rental crisis that we're facing, or is that just a you know stifling capitalism? It's nineteen past eight. One triple three five three. You can have your say. Uh, Joy Mingay, Alison Kennedy. Thank you both very much. 
Thanks. Thank you. And I'm really looking forward to the next game, Lee. I think we might go yeah. to the pub together. Yeah. No, we won't be doing that. <laughs> uh, but we will be at the pub together tomorrow for the Greg Inglis lunch. So I'll look forward to catching up with you there.